Welcome to the Unforgotten Families Podcast, an action-oriented community of hope, inclusivity, and compassion for all medically fragile families. This podcast was created to spread awareness, share solutions, and advocate for the needs of these resilient individuals. It's our hope that the information and stories we share will inspire and empower you to join us in advocating for these families and help to ensure that they are never forgotten. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us at the Unforgotten Families podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you are listening to help support this community. Today, we are connecting with Vicki Stewart, who is the mother of Viviana, a resilient individual who has been persevering for over 20 years with congenital hereditary muscular dystrophy. We're grateful to be connecting with Vicki because she has a very unique perspective. She has experience raising a child with medical complexities. She has been a paid certified nursing assistant for her daughter with the Family CNA program in Colorado. Her daughter now receives both skilled nursing and CNA services. And Vicki is now the area manager for Aviana Healthcare, which provides both family CNA and skilled nursing services for families in Colorado. Viviana and Vicky have a very powerful story, and we're really excited to share it here. Vicky, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. So I first just wanted to just give you the opportunity to just share us a little bit about your family and your daughter, Viviana, and whatever comes up for you that you'd love to share. Sure. So uh, about 20 years ago, the Army relocated us here to Colorado. Um, And so while we were here, Viviana was born. Um, And with some time, we were finally given a diagnosis after uh, just some deficiencies in areas that she wasn't she wasn't making milestones the way she should. Um, So after quite a lot of testing, a lot of uh, different providers, we found out that she does have congenital hereditary muscular dystrophy. So it's a genetic anomaly, not nothing that we um, we had anything in our family. So um, it was a total shock. Um, in this state, as I learned, we lived with this for a few years and, uh, I was unable to work. Um, that did cause quite a bit of financial hardships for our family. Um, but there was just no one to provide care for her at the level that she needed. Even in school, they had to uh, have a nurse for her. And I just didn't understand all the ins and outs of what she could potentially have. Um, after meeting some people and learning over a couple of years, I found out about the CNA program. It was actually relatively new still. Um, This was in 2008. And so I attended the class immediately. Um, It was so small that it was myself and one other person in the class for the whole month. Um, And so I became her provider and that was life-changing. A lot of our financial difficulties were put to rest um, because we just seemed to always just barely not make it every month. Mm -hmm. And this was so, it was so huge. And then after about a year and a half, I figured out that how many other families out there are like me that have no idea and are struggling because, you know, as everyone I'm sure knows, when you do have a child with any kind of significant needs, you tend to run in the same circles. And so the more I spoke to people and the more people didn't know about it, and I just couldn't wait to tell them how to do it and what they needed to do and how to get started because they had that same look in their eyes that I did of what do I do next? So I just figured out that I was better being out there and letting people know about this 
And so this program also allowed me to go out into the workforce because then my older children were able to take the CNA course and become her paid providers. That's so amazing. we still had, yeah, it was great. It was, I mean, it was really fantastic. So it, it allowed me to be out in the workforce telling people more about this. And at the same time, our family was still continuing to provide care for her. And then as I became more comfortable, we even introduced other CNA providers into my home. So she had more social interactions. Um, so it really helped on, in a multitude of ways besides her basic ADLs and what she needed, like bathing, feeding, dressing. It gave her social interactions with people that she typically didn't have because the school system didn't have the right care for her. So, and then, you know, these many years later, she's 20, she's doing fantastic. She has a care team. And I can't tell you enough how much that CNA program has changed my life. Yeah. And there's so much there that thank you for that, for that beautiful introduction. And, you know, one thing that came up for me, and I want to go through so much of this, um, is tell me a little bit about, you know, like when you finally received that diagnosis of muscular dystrophy, I didn't know the exact type that you had said, um, but as a mother, you know, it, how old was she when you found out and, and how did you feel? Do you remember where you were in that moment? Can you paint a picture? I can actually. So I, I myself was also very young. Um, so she was two years old and uh, we finally got a phone call after a muscle biopsy. Um, and I think there was a little bit of relief knowing that it was something because I knew something was wrong. But at the same time, when you started, unfortunately, that's right when you could start looking up things, you know, we had AOL and I was on there looking up what this meant. And a lot of the information out there was scary and it didn't paint a, a, a good prognosis for her. And so I was nervous as to not only what does this mean for her, but honestly, what does it mean for me? my husband, how do we care for her? Um, you know, obviously we had, once we met with some providers, it just, it, the whole thing, I think changes your entire world and outlook in, in just a, a moment. Absolutely. I can't even imagine. And can you explain what uh, muscular dystrophy is to someone that might not know? Sure. So it's a progressive disease and it's a muscle wasting disease. So depending on the type you have, um, there are certain types that will affect certain body parts more than others. Um, because Viviana's is just an unspecified type, it just really affects all of her muscles and that in turn affects her organs, which are muscles. So she's had a lot of muscle failure and also organ failure, which is typical as she pr progresses through this. Wow. That's so much. I can't even imagine going through that as a mother, but then also as a young mother. And does she have brothers and sisters? She does. She has four brothers. Oh, wow. Amazing. Older. She younger. is the only girl. Um, so she has one older and three younger. I, I hope I get to meet her one day. She, she's awesome. She is the, the, the one. Um, I won't say the one positive, but one of the best things about all of this is cognitively, she's 100%. So she's well aware of everything. And so she's, you know, she's obviously one of my best friends because we talk about everything and including her, her wonderful attitude. Wink, wink. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I want to, I want to also discuss. So, you know, you got the diagnosis around two years old, I believe you said, and I'd love to know a little bit about like, 
what's life like before a diagnosis when you don't get one? Like what kind of support are you actually getting? And it sounds like you said you had to quit your job because you knew she needed the care. And then, and then also second question is once you got the diagnosis, how soon after did you find out about the family CNA program? Sure. So we had already started things beforehand, just knowing she wasn't making milestones. Um, her pediatrician had already, you know, started to identify where she was lacking, um, had sent us to a neurologist, things like that. Um, at the time, they tend to think that it's more of a, you know, that there's just a developmental delay. And so we had already started things like PT, OT, speech, um, and we were going down that path already. What the diagnosis did, though, which is is I'm grateful for, but not everyone has this support, is it really gave us additional supports in the children's hospital network. Because once she had that diagnosis, then we were moved over to a team. And so she attends something called the muscle clinic. And that's just a team of doctors that get together once a year to discuss her needs, um, where she's at, where they can help, what, you know, things like that. So it really aided that. And then she was two. And then unfortunately, my husband was reassigned out of state. So we went there for two years. And it was, a, it was a terrible experience. They were not at all um, well prepared where we were at to care for somebody with her needs. And so the military moved us back here. And so that was when she was about four and a half. And then she was, she was right at seven years old when I found out about this program. And I actually, you know, and this is how this happens quite often, was in a store and she was in her wheelchair and another parent approached me and said, did you know that you could do this? And I thought, there's no way, that doesn't make any sense. And, but she gave me a phone number. I called the phone number and here we are. Oh my gosh, how did you feel like, like once you knew that it was a real thing? I mean, it, it really did sound too good to be true. Like I, I was waiting for the, the but, or, or, you know, in some circumstances, or, you know, this doesn't necessarily apply to you. I was just waiting for something and everything just went accordingly. And it, I just thought this is whoever came up with this program is an angel, number one. And number two, just how I was so excited to go home and tell my husband and, and you know, it was like a light at the end of a tunnel. I'm guessing the number one feeling is that you get to be there with your daughter. And then the added bonus of not having to worry about the stress of a job and things like that, because you now have one. That's something that I would actually like to dive in with you about is, what would you? What do you see as some of the biggest benefits for the child, and what do you see as some of the benefits for for a mother or a father or a family member that's able to do this? So, I mean, number one, and it, and it is what it is. I, I this isn't. I think sometimes people look at it as, "Am I making money taking care of my own child?" It's not about that. It's the child qualifies for the services, and you are allowed to be that person providing the services. So the financial benefits are huge. Most families are typically in some type of financial straits because of what is going on with their child. There's so many therapies usually involved. There's so many doctor's appointments. There's so much just to, to contend with. And you really, for the most part, unless you have extreme family or friend support, you can't hold down a typical job and continue to be there for your child. And so I think this, this, aid so many families that they can do both. They can be there for their child and they can help their family financially. And so I think it's, there's a misconception that, you know, it, people are lucky to get to stay home. 
It's not about being lucky to stay home. It's about having the ability to provide the best care for that child. And at the same time, make sure that you're, you're able to provide for the child also. Just, you know, those standard food, rent, you know, th- those are real life problems that a lot of people don't understand that with a child like this, that, that typical 830 to 5 workplace doesn't work. Right. Like you might have a few therapy visits a week that you have to now call off of work. And then if a nurse doesn't show up, then you absolutely have to call in. And then also just the idea that in any circumstance, there could be an emergency. And it's how do you how do you actually keep a, a job on top of all the other things? I, I can't even imagine. So thank you for, for sharing all of that. And I And that's one of the other things I wanted to kind of dive in with you just a little bit more because I'm saying it, but I'd rather actually hear it from you is, you know, you now, and I'm going to ask you a little bit more about this later, but, you know, now you are actually an area manager for a company called Aviana and they provide both family CNA and nursing and you're juggling that job. And right now your daughter is receiving nursing care. So can you talk a little bit about, the, the challenges that come up as a parent that's trying to hold a job and have a child that's receiving nursing at home. Sure. And I'm, you know, I, at the same time, most employers honestly are, are very supportive and understanding to a point of, of people that are going through this and dealing with this. If you happen to work for a home care agency, then, you know, I am, I'm very blessed in that respect because they know up front, what is going on in my family. So I don't think to be fair, I even have the typical issues that other people would have. Um, but at least in my, in my current position, you know, I do have a lot of deadlines. I have a lot of things that I have to attend to. And there are times that I, I feel torn away. I have to go because she's sick or something's happening or, or she's at a doctor's office, you know, with her nurse and they need me there because they found something, you know, things like that. And so, I have to step out. And when I do, you know, no matter what, you have that feeling of this doesn't reflect well on me. This doesn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not available to my employer the way I should be. And so that's hard to contend with. So, but also now that I'm able to have, my husband is retired military. And so he is one of Viviana's providers now. So we continue to now have that extra support that many families don't. You know, if you're not in a two-person household or have other siblings that can offer support, many times it's a single parent trying to deal with this or grandparents trying to deal with this. And so I, I think that if we can help them get to where they need to be, then the, the typical workplace just isn't going to be the, the best place for them. Mm, I didn't realize that Viviana was also, her dad is is a CNA at the moment. So that means that partially partially it is for he's doing the care for part of the day or part of the week and now there's nurses the other parts of the day and that's also an added benefit to this family cna program is it doesn't it's not one size fits all some people might say it's actually better for my whole family to receive all of the hours and some people might be like i don't actually want I'd just have like to have nurses, but it gives you the option and the empowerment. It feels absolutely. Um, Okay. I'd like to talk now about, you know, you were a CNA for Viviana when she was seven. Mm -hmm. And then you are now an area manager in Colorado for Aviana. 
And I would love to know like what's what happened there. Like where how did you end up in the place that you did with Aviana? Because I think that's super interesting. Sure. So I actually came, I had been at another home care agency for many years and then was just looking for, I needed, unfortunately, I needed a break myself. I felt very torn. Viviana was going through, um, she was more sick than normal for her. She's always in some stage of something's happening, but she was having to be hospitalized and re-hospitalized numerous times in one year. And I just couldn't, I couldn't juggle. My husband was deployed. And so I, I wasn't able to, to deal with it. So I decided to take a step back. And uh, so Aviana used to be a company called PSA. And so um, the, someone that was running the local office came out and said, you know, I, I've, I've talked to you in the past. I've heard of you. Would you be willing to just come and consult and maybe help us start a CNA program? And at the time I thought, no, I really do need, I need a good break. And then, you know, a few months into that, I felt, I felt a sense of guilt, to be honest, that I wasn't out there still telling people about this program. So I came in more of a consultative role. Mm -hmm. And then it just grew from there because I just wanted to, you know, I'm very, I want to go tell everybody about it. And I want to shake them and tell them, go do this now, go to school and change your life. So, and as as it's grown, as Aviana has grown, it's just my position has grown, really. It's more organic. Yeah, I would, I would love to hear, you know, you talk to so many families and it sounds like you inspire many families, empower families to, to take action and, and take this program on for themselves. Can you share a couple, you know, and you don't have to give any names or anything, but just a couple like scenarios that you've seen that this just really has helped people um, and families and kiddos? Sure. I mean, I have a couple of families that really, really stick out as this has been their moment where their life turned around. I had a young mother who had two children. And when I first met with her, she was living part-time out of her car and staying at a, uh, at a, uh, I apologize, a homeless shelter. Mm. And so, but her son's seizures were so severe that the homeless shelter was a little uncomfortable. She they were making her feel that they weren't comfortable because it would happen and he would fall and he would be injured. And um, so encouraged her, look, let's get you through class. Let's do what we can. And she lived that life for that entire month going through school. And with her very first paycheck and with the help of her uh, church was able to put a down payment on an apartment. And that was five years ago. And that mother is thriving now. She does great. I mean, we get, we get updates. Life is good. He's, he's doing as well as he could be. He has a, a stable home you know, he's doing well. And so that's such a success to see how much it turned around because she couldn't go out and just go get a job. There was nobody to care for him. So, and that's sometimes where in, in, I don't know in other States, but at least in this state, you can have a very medically fragile child that still does not qualify or meet the criteria for nursing. And so they still qualify for CNA. And so that's where, you know, those parents that can't go out and get a job because there is no nurse. And so the CNA is the only option, truly. So, I mean, that, that's one story. of my big success stories. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Oh. And um, just, you know, with, with your perspective, is there anything else, you know, like I said, because you are someone that has a medically fragile child, you have done the CNA program, you now run a home health care company that basically provides this care. Um, what, 
is there any other perspectives that for you know the community at large um, or for the children specifically that you just really feel this program benefits so I, I do believe that these children end up getting more services because the family can afford to do more. So there are many things out there that are still outside the criteria of a, of a basic commercial insurance or Medicaid. So there are horseback ridings and um, these different types of uh, sensory classes that families think, oh, if my child could do that, I really think they would benefit, but they can't afford it. And so what a lot of my families do is take portions of their pay to go and try those new things to see, is this going to help? Is it going to make a difference? And some of these children that are nonverbal, that suddenly are, are wanting to say words because they're sitting on a horse, things like that, that they could never have, a, they could never have afforded it. But because they're working now, they're able to do things like that. So I, I think outside of just the direct patient care and, and financial considerations for their home or families, it gives that patient even more options that, you know, years ago, lots of things were considered, you know, well, that, that's not a covered benefit because it's new. Those things might one day be covered, but right now they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually made me smile just picturing a kid on a horse and saying something. I'm sure you're saying some of these things because you've experienced and heard some of them. So that's beautiful. What are your hopes for the future for children like Viviana? So if not in her lifetime, in my lifetime, I'm hoping that this can spread beyond just one or two states that are, are, are willing to do this, to take, take a chance and do this. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to delve into the politics of it all, but I would hope that people that can make the decisions to move this along need to take a look at the big picture of these children that are not getting the services they need are not being able to, you know, achieve what they can or their families are failing a lot of it due to financial crisis. And, you know, more times than not, this is no one plans for this. You don't, you don't have a plan just in case this happens. And so there's no, there's no way to tell people that, you know, you should have had a backup plan or, or you should have known something might happen. You just don't think that way. That's not the way society is. And so you always are looking for the best. And sometimes, you know, things don't pan out the way you'd hope. But that doesn't mean life has to be as difficult as it is for some of these families because they don't have these benefits. Absolutely. And what would you say to someone that's found in this podcast and started listening and they resonate with your story? Maybe they aren't someone that has this experience, but they want to help. What are, what are things that you would say to them to help families like yours? Well, I mean, again, it would depend on where they're at and if where they happen to be living, is this even a possibility? And if it's not, then who can you talk to to make it a possibility? I mean, honestly, Garrett, you're bringing it more to my attention. I have to say that I might have had a bit of tunnel vision that I was so excited about Colorado and that Colorado had the benefit. And I wanted to tell everybody in Colorado, but bigger picture is why does everyone need to move to Colorado? They should be able to access these benefits in their own state. And so you doing things like this, I think is going to get the word out. And, you know, that's my hope that this, this should be able to spread. We have families that have transplanted here that have left their elderly parents, elderly grandparents, other siblings, because they need this benefit so badly. And I wish they truly didn't have to leave their homes for it. Absolutely. 
I mean, it's, it is really interesting because I make a lot of phone calls every day talking to all the different states, which is just kind of a flow. It just depends on which state is the closest to being able to support this. And then I'll put a lot of energy towards it. And it's crazy to me how many really big nonprofits and, and organizations and people don't even know about what's happening in Colorado. And it's been going on for years. I mean, it sounds like you've had it from when she was seven until how old? She's 20 now. And it's crazy to me that people don't know. And so that's what this is about. And, you know, we're trying to do our best to to share this and let people know that, again, you know, and I think every state is different. Every state, the way it's going to work is different. But to me, in my heart, for every family across the country to have the option, just to have the option to choose this program would be extremely beneficial. And I would, I guess I would say, cause you know, I do make a lot of calls, right. And I'm talking to people, but I'm not a parent. What would you say to parents in other States outside of Colorado? Cause Arizona is getting close, but it's not quite there. Missouri is getting close, but it's not quite there. And then all the other ones are up for grabs at the moment. What would you say to a parent that's similar to you about this program? And what would you say to them about taking action and things like that? Well, honestly, it's, it's, they have to advocate constantly for their child. Now they need to go advocate for their family at the state level. Sometimes it's being loud and making sure everybody knows what's going on and that you can look to other states and even show examples of here's what's happening in other states. We need this opportunity here, my child. And everyone has to go with that, my child. And then at the end, it's our children. You know, it's the, it's a whole community that is struggling right now. And I think that if the state, if people at the state level that have the ability to make changes or to, to advocate for changes, they need to know what's happening. And so those parents that call their representatives and go, if you can go to a meeting, take your child. In Colorado here, when there was talk a few years ago about changing this program, there were so many individuals at the state capitol with their children in wheelchairs, on in walkers, you know, saying, here's what, here's what our life is. And here's what your changes are going to do. Sometimes it has to be brought in, in, in their line of sight for them to truly understand, because oftentimes they're, they're hearing about many different things on a high level. They need to get down on our level and see what day to day looks like. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. And I, and then one thing I always say is that I'll never know how you feel as a parent with a medically fragile child, I can understand. And I understand a little bit more than maybe someone else out there because I used to do what you do, right? I used to take care of families for over four years, you know, but it wasn't until I went in someone's home with a child that was on a ventilator and trachostomy and it changed me. Right. And so I'm totally with you. People need to see it. It's just like, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Right. And, and it, sometimes it takes like, people need to see it. People need to see it. So I, I respect that community up there. And that's something that I think is actually very special about Colorado as well, which I felt the difference is like, it does feel like the whole community is all about this and they're all, you know, even, even with what you do, you know, it's, it's more like, Hey, we're taking care of your child together rather than I'm a service provider to, you know, to you. Um, that's how it felt at least for me. Um, I guess, is there 
anything else that you would just like to share? Is there anything on your mind, anything that came up during the call that you feel like you wanted to say? I just want you to have a space to share anything that you feel um, is important right now. Well, I would say that I'm hoping anyone that might be watching this or will watch this will, if you're willing to reach out, I'm available. I'd love to talk about it further. If, if I could send information that you think would be helpful. Um, I put together so many different things just to present to say, please look at this, please, you know, take the time to notice what's happening. And so I, I want to be a resource for whomever, be it another home care agency, the state, it doesn't matter. Families that want to know how this works and how can they push this. Um, I just think it's so important for people to know about this. And I, it, I fervently wish that they did not have to move to go and get a service that they so badly need. Um, I think the biggest unhappiness with my families, no matter how well they're doing, is many of them miss their roots. They miss their families. They miss their homes. And I, I'm, I really do hope that one day they're able to go home and have this service where they should be able to, instead of having to come to Colorado. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your heart today and sharing about your family and being vulnerable with us. I, I really, really appreciate your perspective and for you spending time with me. I know it's, I know your time is limited with everything that you have going on. So this is important. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you so much. And, um, for everyone listening, just thank you for, for tuning in again. And, you know, I will put some information so you can connect with Vicky if you need to and want to. And uh, we appreciate you listening and have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Unforgotten Families podcast. Families like Viviana and Victoria need your support around the country, and it only takes a minute to become an advocate on our website. Please visit theunforgottenfamilies.com, click on the Become an Advocate link on the upper right-hand corner of our website, and please follow us on all social media accounts at The Unforgotten Families. Thank you so much. Let's ensure these families are never forgotten.